Now, if you're like me, that song's like synonymous with New Year's. Maybe last night you even sang it or heard it yourself as you lifted a glass to the last year full of Welch's grape juice, of course, and spent time thinking on what 22 meant before we enter into 2023. But there's something powerful that happens when we think back on, on years gone past. As Grace Marie saying that, I was thinking through all the different things that we have been through over the past few years and anxious about what God is going to lead us into. It's important to take time to think about the old days from time to time. See, Happy New Year, everybody. You made it. First day of 2023. My name is Trevor Miller, one of the pastors here at Mount Horeb, and it is an honor this morning on this first day of this new year to open up the scriptures and to allow God to teach us something new. My prayer would be that today God would do something within us that would prepare us for what this next year holds. You see, what often happens on the first day of the year, though, is a lot of us, we feel a lot of pressure to begin to move on right away, like to look ahead, to make plans, grandiose plans that within a few weeks might begin to wane just a little bit. You know, whether it's working out or eating regiments or new things at work or whatever it might be, we have a lot of really great plans, but oftentimes they don't exactly hold on super long. But I would argue this morning, before we really jump into this new year, the most important work that should be done is not necessarily looking ahead of us, but it's actually looking behind us. I would argue the most important work we can do today is not looking into the future, but it's actually looking into the past. Here's the thing. You don't have a choice on whether or not you come into this new year. It's happening. It has happened. But you do have a choice on how you come into this new year and what you allow God to do within your life. I love the days between Christmas and New Year's. It's like one of my favorite times of the season and favorite times of the year. And part of that is because I'm not the kind of person that puts things down easily, like takes time to rest and reflect and relax. And so for me, it's almost a way of like making myself do that during this time and during this season. Maybe for in the room, you can kind of relate to this. Maybe you have a hard time kind of resting and relaxing. But I would argue all of us need a bit of a chance to reflect on what's happened before we, you know, kind of headlong into the new year. And one of my favorite things to do is kind of play with all the goodies that Santa brought with all my kids. In particular, when Legos are in the mix. Anybody in the room, Lego people? My kids and I, we love, are we clapping for Legos? Yes, we are clapping for Legos. I love it when Legos are in the mix because my kids and I will sit down during this season between Christmas and all the way to New Year's and we will build all kinds of stuff. And it's great because it makes me feel like I'm doing something, but I'm actually doing nothing. So I'm sitting there and I'm enjoying Legos with my kids, but there's something that always happens each and every year and I've gotten kind of used to it. My kids will be building along and all of a sudden they'll say, Dad, I need help. Something has gone wrong. Something's happened. This doesn't look right. Something's happened here. So what we'll have to do is we'll have to go back a few steps three or four steps perhaps to find out, okay, here's this one brick you didn't put in. Or here's this one piece that needs to slide a little bit to the right. And if you do, then we're ready for the next step that's, that's coming ahead. And I think this morning, we're kind of in a similar kind of situation. That if we're not careful, if we push forward into this new year without doing some of the hard work of looking back at the steps that have gone previous to this, it might be detrimental to the build. It might be detrimental to what God is trying to do in our life in this next year. What if this morning, just for a moment, we slowed down just enough before we took the next step to recognize what are the steps that have happened before, to make sure the next step is the right step? This day is beautiful because it's an opportunity that God has given to us to recalibrate, to recenter, to reimagine the future, like what's possible. God gives us these moments and these seasons in order that we might become the kind of people that God wants for us to be. Maybe even this morning, you didn't come here for this. You came here because it's the new year. It feels like the right thing to do to go to church on the first day of a new year. But I promise you, today, God is meeting you here. 
He desires to do something within your life. As we come into 2023, we don't do so on our own. We do so with the God who is actively involved in our lives, who cares about each and every one of us, who knows exactly where you find yourself today. He knows the pain of the past. He knows the great things of the past. He knows it all. And you don't come into this new time frame, this new era all by yourself, but God is here with you. And the greatest tool that God has in this formational effort within our lives, I would argue, is memory. It's our ability to remember, to think back. See, God is a God who reminds us. God is a God who reminds us. We see it in many different ways. And maybe as you sit here right now, to think of a new year is so overwhelming because it feels like the last year didn't really finish up the way we wanted it to or didn't finish up at all. We ask questions like, do we have what it takes to begin a new year? Are we ready for what could come our way? And this is not an uncommon thought. This is a very common thought. It happens for all of us. But in particular, it happens throughout the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, there are countless individuals who face uncertain times, daunting tasks, who find themselves asking similar questions that we are asking ourselves today. And almost every time, God is careful to remind them of who he is. And in doing so, he gives them courage to step into what's next. There are a dozen different places where God uses a very particular phrase. Now, you've heard this phrase before, but he uses it over and over again for this very reason. We see it the first time in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, as he's speaking to a man named Moses. Here's what God says to him. God says to Moses, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. This phrasing that first happens here is happening at a very pivotal point in Moses' life. Moses is about to be asked to go and help release the Israelite people from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. It's, it's a whole new era. It's something new altogether. Moses was terrified. We find out more about that in the text. But what God does for Moses, he reminds him, listen, Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'm the God who's been faithful to all of those fathers that you've known for so long. These three individuals were incredibly important within Jewish history. And so for God to point to those people, it told Moses, if I've been faithful to them, I will certainly be faithful to you. You can trust me as you step into this new time frame. You can trust me as I, as I lead you into this new way of living. You can trust me as you go back to Egypt to release my people. But God knows the Jewish people have this problem of quickly forgetting all that God has done within the past. Anybody else can relate to that this morning? Man, God has been so good to us. He's done so many things in our past, but we, like the Israelites, are quick to forget. So God takes opportunities to refresh their memory over and over and over again. So as we sit here this morning, I believe God would say the same thing to us. As we stand at the precipice of a new year, a fresh season, all of it unknown, for some of it very daunting, God might say to us today the very same thing. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I was faithful to them, those who've come before you, and I will be faithful to you as you go forward as well. He can be trusted because he is faithful. God is a God who reminds us. And before we look forward, we might need to look back and see God at work. You see, when God speaks to Moses, it's the very beginning of something called the Exodus. 
As you may know, the Exodus is God leading the Israelite people out of slavery, 400 years of slavery. He's leading them to a promised land, a whole new place for them to live. But if you know the Old Testament story at all, the Israelite people, they're not faithful. They grumble and complain. And in so doing, they find themselves 40 years in the wilderness. God leads them across the Red Sea. He splits it and leads them to a new land. But they find themselves wandering in the wilderness over and over again. Until eventually, the story goes on, that they find themselves finally at the very edge of the promised land. And God uses the same tactic that he uses with Moses. But this time, instead of speaking to Moses, he's speaking to a man named Joshua in the Israelite people. As they walked through the Red Sea, it was a symbolization of washing and a fresh freedom. And the same thing happens in the story in Joshua chapter 4. God is leading them into the promised land, and they're about to cross the river Jordan, and he's going to do it in the same manner. He's going to split the Jordan, and these people are going to walk into the promised land, the place that God had promised them long ago that they finally made it to. And he speaks to Joshua in a very similar manner, but he uses this memory, the ability to remember what God has done. Here's what he says in Joshua chapter 4, 1 through 7, as they cross over. It says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, each from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan River, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you will stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord, where the place that God's presence dwelt, your God in the middle of the Jordan, each of you will take up a stone on your shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign among you, that in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So we paint the scene here. Joshua is leading the people into this promised land. They know God's been faithful in the past. They've grumbled and complained. For 40 years, God has taken care of them still. Finally, they stand at the precipice of this new way. They're crossing the Jordan, and God says to the 12, uh, to, from one man from each tribe, grab a stone, pick it up. As you get to the other side, I want you to stack those stones and leave them there. That way, in the future, any child comes back and says, what do these stones mean? You might be able to say to them, these stones have been stacked here as a memorial to the fact that God is faithful. We don't want to ever forget what God has done. He's been good to us, and this will be a way for us to always remind ourselves that God is, in fact, good. It was God's way of telling them, don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember what I've done. This passage, passage from Joshua is a passage of scripture I've used every single time I've gone backpacking with students from our church. So for the past 15 years, if I've, as I've taken students into the woods countless times, almost always this is the first passage that we look at as we get into our first campsite. And so there are probably students who are sitting here right now in this room who are watching online who, who've heard this passage as we've sat around a campfire together. So our first campsite, I would say to every kid, hey, as you come to the fire tonight, I want everyone to bring a stone, okay? It could be small, it could be big, I don't care. Whatever stone you want to bring, bring it with you to the fire. Of course, the question is always, well, why? Like, it will be revealed. So they came to the campfire at night with the stones, and we read through this passage. And I invited each and every one of them to think to themselves, what is something I want God to do in my life that I would never forget? 
Like, what is something I want God to do in my life that I could always look back on as a memorial to his faithfulness in my life? What is that thing? And I'd invite each and every one of them to speak it out loud and take their stone and stack it by the fire. And we would end up with a stack of stones. All over Pisgah National Forest, there are probably stacked stones just like this if you go to a fire ring somewhere. And the reason is because it's important for us to never forget what God has done. A couple of years ago, I don't even remember how many years ago it was now, I took my boys backpacking for the first time in Pisgah National Forest, a place called the Davidson River Campground. And so we went to the Davidson River, and I chose probably poorly. It was during this time of year. It was like 20 degrees at night. There was snow on the ground. My wife was really excited I was doing this with my boys. And I took them up there anyways, and we had a really great time. In our first campsite that we came to, we, we camped right by the river, and sure enough, we came to a fire ring, and right next to the fire ring, guess what was there? A stack of stones. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know if those were our stack of stones because people do this oftentimes, but it took me right back to all the different times I've sat with students and asked God, do something in my life, God. Do something in my life that I would never forget. And when I'm tempted to forget, remind me that you are faithful. Maybe before we enter into 2023, we should take a moment to remember God's faithfulness in our life to lay up a memorial for ourselves, to never forget what God has done. Like, if you're honest, what has God done in 2022? And I know there are many in the room that are like, nothing. God has done nothing. But if I were to give you a moment to really think, where has God been faithful? What has he done for you? Where have you seen him work? There are two times in this past year that I know God has done something in my life that I can't deny. One, I traveled to Phoenix last spring for a bit of a retreat on a weekend, and God spoke to me so clearly about some priorities in my life that needed to be put in place. Just a few weeks ago, my wife and I had a chance to travel to a wedding in Charleston, and we spent time that weekend, just the two of us, doesn't happen often, praying and spending time talking to God about the future, and we both felt like God gave us clarity on some certain things. We can't deny that. We don't ever want to forget that. We speak about it often. We want to put up a memorial to know that God was faithful then because here's what happens. Certainly in 2023, there will be a time where everything seems dire. There'll be a time where everything is falling apart when it's not going my way. There'll be a time where I feel lost. Disappointment will certainly come. And the reason it's important to remember is we can look back and say, as hard as it is right now, I know God did something then. I know he was at work then. I'll trust that until I hear from him again. I'll never forget so maybe today there's some ways to do this. Could you write something down somewhere? Maybe you have a journal or something. Here's what God has done in my life and I don't want to forget it. Could you date a picture of some kind? Here's when God worked in my life. Could you share it with someone? Speak it out loud. Could you physically represent it in some kind of way? Here's where God's been faithful in my life and I don't want to forget it. We have a spot in our house. There's a door frame going into one of our storage rooms and if you go to that door frame, there are all kinds of markings on the door frame uh, with different names of my children and different height measurements. Because each year, as my kids get taller and bigger, uh, we could not believe the last time we did this, my son Eli shot up like feet, it seemed like. Could not believe it. And, and the thing is, we would not have anything else to mark it to had we not marked the previous time. Nothing to be in awe of if we hadn't remembered to put something down for the previous time that we marked their growth in this room. In our lives, we have to have these markers. Otherwise, if we're not careful, we will forget to remember. 
what God is doing in our lives right here and right now. I believe this morning there are two really important things that we need to remember today before we step into this new year. And both of these things may be a little difficult, but the first thing that we need to remember is we have to remember to grieve. We have to remember to grieve. I would imagine that across this room, those who are watching online right now, there have been some experiences in 2022 that feel like loss. Maybe it was a dream that died or a relationship that didn't pan out. Maybe it was a business venture that failed. Maybe it was a loved one whose life came to an end. Maybe it was some kind of overwhelming disappointment. I would invite you just to close your eyes for just one second. I want you to think and allow yourself to go to that place. Just for one moment, allow God to reveal to you this is a place of grief. Just take a moment. You see, these experiences and many, many more are reasons that we feel grieved in heart. It's a suffering of heart. It's deep. It's heavy. This kind of pain can be crushing. And the reason that it's important for us to remember to grieve is because many of us over the past year, perhaps years, we have tried so hard to avoid grief. We've run from it. Rather than feel it, we've hidden from it. And so because of that, it follows us along every step of the path. And it makes sense. I mean, grief is so painful. It requires vulnerability, honesty. It requires courage to step into sorrow. However, I am convinced in my life and the lives that I've seen in this church that a grief that is avoided is a grief that is prolonged. And perhaps this year, one of the most important things we could do is allow ourselves to go to that place of grief because grief is a wound. And a wound that is intended to is a wound that is not made whole. There's this beautiful passage of scripture where the psalmist speaks to this kind of piece of our life and the importance of us in our life bringing our grief to God. Here's what it says in Psalm 147, verse three. The psalmist writes, he, speaking of God, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Today, do you feel brokenhearted? I want you to know God is with you. Do you feel wounded today? God is for you. When we remember to grieve, we allow the healing power of God to work within our life. And there's a strength that comes from speaking this kind of thing out loud. From saying, this is a place of pain for me. From sitting across from a trusted friend talking about the one who's passed away. Trusting that though life may not be what we anticipated for it to be, it can still be good Saying out loud, this situation, this thing that was said, this opportunity that never came to pass, that's painful. It hurt. Maybe just allowing ourselves to have a good cry. Allowing ourselves to forgive someone. Allowing ourselves to receive forgiveness. Maybe making the choice, the decision to be a part of a grief share program here at this church. Maybe taking a step of faith and, and talking to a counselor and allowing these things to come out of your mouth so you might hear them say them yourself is the first step towards God's healing work in our lives. 
God heals the brokenhearted. He binds up our wounds if we allow him access to that place of pain. We cannot heal what we refuse to feel. We cannot heal what we refuse to feel. See, I grew up on a farm when I was a kid, and so as a farm kid, there was always some kind of wound going on. Uh, it happened in all kinds of different ways. There was fences, there was thorn. I mean, you, you name it, there was some kind of wound that always happened. I remember as a kid that there was the same process that happened every single time. I would come in with some kind of lesion, some kind of scrape, and I'd be like, Mom, this thing hurts. And my mom instantly would go to the cabinet and grab the peroxide. Now, as a kid, I don't understand. And as a parent now, I'm like, get over it, people. This doesn't hurt. But as a kid, like, I was like, no, like, don't touch me. I know that is going to hurt so badly. But the truth is, it never really does. And there's something special about peroxide, this healing power in peroxide. My mom would come at me with that thing, be like, lay down, quit squirming. I'm just going to put it on this thing. And it would be like the most traumatic experience ever. But the truth is, if I allowed her to do the very thing that was potentially painful, I didn't want to have happen, it was the way toward healing. It was the first step toward healing. Now, my grandma, she was a whole different kind of thing. There was wounds that happened on the farm, and I would go to my grandma's house, and it was a whole different ball game because she had this red stuff. I don't even know what it's called. Everybody in the room is like, I know the red stuff. And that did hurt. It was incredibly painful. But it would lead to healing. Or there was the Epsom salts in water. You stick your foot in that one. These kinds of things hurt so bad, but they were the process of healing. And if I allowed myself into that place, then I could see on the other side wholeness take place. I'm afraid that far too many of us, we have made decisions for our life out of grief. And some of these decisions, they've clouded our judgment. We can't see clearly because of the pain that's in our life. And here's what I believe with my whole heart. If we take time to remember to grieve this past year, or years in the past, to allow God to heal us and do his work within us, we might just enter into this new year stronger than we've ever been before, ready for the opportunities that God has for us, that we might not miss them, but instead we could fully embrace them. I read recently this, this really interesting fact about trees out west. There's this phenomenon that happens when these trees in Colorado and, and further west experience some kind of trauma. It might be a fire. It might be a lack of water. It could be bad soil that they're planted. And it could be per pervasive winds constantly beating on them. And there's these trees that on the outside, they look, the bark looks exactly the same. But on the inside, something incredible happens. I want to show you a picture of what this looks like. Trees that experience trauma like this, these trees will actually begin to twist inside of their bark. And so you can see this grain is no longer going like south to north, but now this grain is twisting in a spiral. And so when, when the bark falls off, you can see what's revealed underneath. And these trees, the reason they do this, because there's a strength that comes from the twisting of this grain in this manner. So that as winds continue to come, as fires continue to come, as they experience trauma in the future, they're stronger because of it. It doesn't break them, but instead it makes them stronger some way in some special way. The scriptures speak to this so often. This is why the writer says, uh, consider it pure joy, when you experience trials of all kinds. Nobody wants to experience joy out of that. But the reason the writer says this is because he knows something happens that can't otherwise happen, that is only happening during a time of trial, during a time of stress, of trauma. And if we allow God to do his work within our life, I believe wholeheartedly 
we might experience a life that is stronger on the inside. On the outside, we may look like the exact same person. But allowing God to do his work that only he can do might strengthen us in soul, strengthen us in body, strengthen us in heart to be ready for what is to come next. There have been people who I've watched in this church go through really difficult times and experiences, traumatic things, who I have seen allow, they've allowed God to do a work within their life where they've become a source of strength, not just for themselves, but for those around them. This is the work that God can do if we allow ourselves to remember, to remember to grieve, not to run from it, but to fully embrace it, to lean into it and see God bind our wounds and heal our hearts, that we don't rob ourselves of the work that God is trying to do. God, I believe, as we enter into this new year, would love for us to make the decision to grieve and to grieve well, and allow him to do his work within our lives. There's a second thing that I think we need to remember to do before we step into the new year as well. It's not just to remember to grieve, but it's also to remember to celebrate. Remember to celebrate. I would imagine across this room, all of us could think of some kind of thing that is worth celebrating from the past year. And again, some are like, nope, nothing. But again, if we're really honest, if we were to slow down enough to remember, to think back, to allow God to jog our memory, is there something that was worth celebrating, something good? As easy as it is to move on from the things that are very painful, I would argue it is just as easy to move on from the things that are good too. And here's why. Life is busy. We've got all kinds of stuff going on. And so rather than slowing down to celebrate something, we move on to the very next thing. Maybe for some of us, we're afraid that if we revel in the blessings of God, it will somehow cancel his blessings in the future. Maybe for some of us, we don't believe that the good things that have happened in our life, we actually deserve. And so we'd rather move on and not think about it. Maybe chaos in life is just causing us to miss all the little victories along the way. But God is a God who reminds us not just to grieve, but also to celebrate. So from 2022, what was worth celebrating? Like, can you name it? Just take a moment, close your eyes once, once again, allow God to remind you of something that was worth celebrating. Just close your eyes for just a moment and remember. Like maybe your family got out of diapers. That's worth celebrating. You're gonna have like 20,000 more dollars available to you this, in this new year. That's worth celebrating. Maybe you paid off a car this year. That's worth celebrating. Maybe you had some sort of workout routine this year. That's, that's worth celebrating. Maybe you passed that class. It's worth celebrating. Maybe you had at least one date night and it was sweet in the past year. That's worth celebrating. Maybe you read your Bible maybe more than ever before. It's worth celebrating. Maybe you finished treatment this year. It's worth celebrating. Maybe you just made it to today. That's worth celebrating too. There are things that have happened within our life that God longs for us to remember and not overlook. We will see that our God is a God who celebrates and he wants it to be a priority for our life as well. Here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 118 verse 24. It's a well-known passage where the, the writer says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Today, this day is the day the Lord has made. Not tomorrow, 
Not yesterday, not last year, today. This day is a gift from God that he has given to us that we might rejoice in it. I think the reason the psalmist writes this passage is because we are not promised tomorrow. All we have is right now. I want to, um, just for a moment, tell you how old I've felt in the past couple of days. So, anybody familiar with the band named Weezer? <laughs> All the old people in the room, yes. Do you know that Rivers Cuomo, the lead singer of Weezer, is 52 years old? Let that sink in for a second. Do you realize COVID started three years ago? There are so many things that have caused me to feel old in the past few months, past few years. Uh, just a couple days ago, I was on Facebook and I saw this couple that I married, in my mind, like two years ago. They came, the girl group, my youth program over at Eastlake, we had a sweet little wedding like two years ago. And she was celebrating on Facebook because it was her four-year anniversary. And I went home to my wife and I was like, that is not true. She's like, yeah, it is. It happens so fast. I mean, it goes by so fast. How are we at 2023? Emma and I were just talking before this service. Do you realize the 80s are almost 50 years ago? That's why I'm so glad I was born in the 90s. <laughs> okay, no more examples, but <laughs> just know, just know, life, life runs at a fast pace. And it seems that as I, as I get older and older, it goes faster and faster. This is why the psalmist says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We cannot let a day pass where there's something that's worth celebrating that we don't celebrate. If something is good, if we slow down just enough and say, God, this is good. Maybe it's in the midst of all this difficulty and all this trial, but we want to take a second to rejoice, God, because you've given us this day and this is all we have. Is there something from the past year that happened that was good that you failed to celebrate? Here's the good news. You still can. You still can. And I think it's important to do so. In the mid-1900s, there was a man named Norman Cousins. And Norman was a journalist, an author, a professor. But he did research particularly on the biochemistry of human emotions. Now, Norman, he eventually, in 1964, he was diagnosed with a, uh, a sudden onset case of crippling tissue disease and arthritis. And so when this happened to him, he was told that he had a one in 500 chance of recovery. That more than likely what he was experiencing was incurable. And so because of his research that he had done into biochemistry and this human emotion, he knew that negative thoughts had a negative impact on people's lives. And so he hypothesized that more than likely the opposite would be true as well. So a true story, Norman essentially checked himself out of the hospital and decided to prescribe himself his own treatment. And here's what he prescribed himself. He said that he was going to borrow a movie projector and he would watch a mixture of Karl Marx Brothers, or Marx Brothers films and candid camera reruns. And so he watched them over and over and over again. And he noticed that the effects of this were incredibly powerful. He believed that joyous laughter and positivity could bring healing. And sure enough, here's what he said. He made the joyous discovery that 10 minutes of laughter allowed him two hours of pain-free sleep. Now, eventually, in Norman's life, his disease was actually reversed completely. And after his treatment, amazingly, his debilitating disease was no longer part of his life. 
His struggle with illness and his discovery of what he called laugh therapy is actually detailed in 1979 book called The Anatomy of an Illness as Perceived by the Patient, if you want some good reading in 2023. But the account of his victory actually shows up in the New England Journal of Medicine. He received 3,000 letters from, from uh, physicians all over the world thanking him for his work. And it's so simple. He took time to celebrate. He took time to laugh. So maybe this year, the first thing you need to do is make a list of 10 movies that you're going to watch with your family, and you're going to laugh, and you're going to laugh a lot. You're going to play games. You're going to enjoy each and every day. And when something is worth celebrating, you're going to celebrate it. This is why the psalmist writes, rejoice in today, because it's one that God has made, and he's given it to you. The very act of rejoicing and celebrating has the power to affect our lives in ways we can't possibly imagine. So rather than rushing into this new year, if we were to slow our lives down enough to remember to grieve, but also remember to celebrate. Because when we do that, we need to learn how to celebrate what we want to replicate. If there's been something good in 2023, let's celebrate that and let's do it more in this new year, from 2022 to 2023. If it's something good, I want to replicate that. I want to keep that in the new year. My wife and I have not done everything perfect throughout 2022, obviously, but there's been some things that we do want to take with us, and part of it's been celebration. So my son went into sixth grade. Sorry, one more. I'm getting old. Um, my son went into sixth grade this past year, and uh, like two nights before he, he entered middle school, we went to dinner with him, and we said, listen, you can get a steak, you can get whatever you want, and we're just going to go, and we're going to enjoy each other. So my wife and I and just Eli went to dinner together. It was one of the best moments of the year. Just hearing him talk about things he was nervous about, things that he was excited about. He ate good food. We ate good food and we enjoyed each other's presence. We want to do more of that. My wife this past year, each and every time that she had a real estate transaction of some kind, we said, we're going to dinner and we're celebrating because we don't know when the next one will come. We want to celebrate each and every good thing. One of the best things we've done in this past year, I believe, is find all the little moments to celebrate and we've made the most of it. What is something to celebrate from this past year? Can we slow our hearts down just enough to take time to think about it and say, thank you, God. You've given it to us and it's a gift. If you want to replicate it, we got to celebrate it. Maybe today as you leave here, the first thing you need to do is go to Publix and buy a cupcake. And when you get home, you say, this cupcake is because we are celebrating this thing. Maybe as you leave here today, you need to go home with your family and just laugh, do something fun. Maybe today you need to write a thank you note to give to someone just because of what they've done in your life and the way they've invested in you. Maybe today you need to give God some praise because he's been good and he's worked in our lives. Without doing the hard work of remembering the faithfulness of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, without doing the hard work of slowing down to remember to grieve or remembering to celebrate, I'm afraid that if we're not careful, we'll rush into a new year in the wrong direction, headed to places physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally that we never wanted to be found. One final story. On New Year's Day in 1929, there was a football game between Georgia Tech and UCLA, UCLA that was played in the Rose Bowl. You may know this story. In that game, there was a young man named Roy Regals. In this game, Roy Regals recovered a fumble for UCLA. In his excitement, he picked up the loose ball and he ran in the wrong direction, 65 yards toward the wrong goal line. 
Now, luckily, one of his teammates was trailing him and tackled him just before he scored points for the opposite team. Now, as UCLA tried to get out of their own end zone and make it to the other side of the field, unfortunately, they were unable to, and they had to punt. And that punt was blocked, and Georgia Tech scored a safety, demoralizing UCLA, and the team then was led to defeat. From that moment on, Roy Regals would forever be known as Wrong Way Regals. Say that 20 times. Wrong Way Regals. Just because he went the wrong direction. My hope for all of us this morning is that we would lean into what God has done in our life in this past year. In the middle of the grief, we would allow ourselves to feel that, that we might heal that. We would lean into what's worth celebrating and what's been good and God's been faithful because we want to celebrate what we want to replicate in this new year. And in so doing, we would find ourselves in the right kind of direction, living in the right kind of way that we might experience all of the fullness that God has for us in this new year. Not going in the wrong direction, finding ourselves in all the excitement and all the pressure to make new plans and resolutions and to move forward, but instead taking a moment to slow down to make sure the direction, the next step is the right step into this new year. So I wanna pray for us this morning that we would allow God to do a work in our lives that only he can do. As we start 2023, this very well could be the best year yet. Let's pray together. God, we take a moment to breathe, to remember the fact that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You've been faithful to so many before us, God, and I believe that because of your faithfulness, we can trust you to be faithful in the future. I pray, God, that you would give us courage to lean into the places of grief, that we've experienced this past year, maybe even years before that. And I pray, God, that you would truly bind up our hearts, that you would heal our wounds, that we would experience wholeness. Maybe not the life that we expected, but it's a life that's still good as you work in us and through us. And God, we wanna say, we're sorry. I repent, God, for the things that have happened this past year that I've been so quick to move on from, that I've not celebrated. I've not rejoiced in the days you've given to us. God, there are so many times I find myself like that. I want to thank you, God, for the goodness that you've brought into my life. I want to thank you for all the small things, for all the big things. You've been good to us. And because of that, God, we're thankful. So God, I ask, as our church, as we as individuals enter into a, a brand new year full of opportunity, full of unknown and daunting things, we trust in you. We lean into you. We believe, God, the best is yet to come. Lord, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. And everyone together said, amen.